What's up, everybody? Welcome, Inter-Miami fans, to another episode of Inside Inter-Miami, the Miami Herald show that's all about Inter-Miami, all about the world of football, and we are back for another season as the Inter-Miami squad gets ready for its big preseason world tour. Michelle Kaufman and myself, Andre Fernandez, Deputy Sports Editor, are back here for another episode and fresh off MLS Media Day, which, Michelle, what a great event that was because you know, you, you had your your basically your smorgasbord of Major League Soccer, everything you could possibly want, except, of course, Lionel Messi talking to the media. But we're used to that. But we did get a chance to talk to to a lot of players. You did in particular talking about Inter Miami. And of course, this team, you know, the Columbus crew won the championship last year. Several other teams made the playoffs. Inter Miami did not. But seeing the potential of this coming season. They're at the center of the uni- of the soccer universe down here here in the states right now, and credit to MLS. This is a great event that they put together, and we shouldn't take it for granted because I remember you and I were talking to a few people, a few writers from around the country that say that they don't get this type of access. So, props to MLS. But uh, Michelle, how you doing? And tell us a little bit about you know how much you enjoyed that day, and and we're off and running. Yeah, MLS Media Day is uh, it's a really good event for those. I mean, most people, it's MLS Media and Marketing Day. So it's one day where they bring in about 50 uh, players and coaches from all over the league. And they do, the, this is where they film their commercials and their promos for new products, for new, you know, Apple was there, Adidas, you know, all the different companies that are affiliated with MLS. Uh, instead of having the players travel around to different places or all of those Uh, you know, have to come find the players to do promos. They have one day where they bring everyone together in one location and they film a lot of those commercials and promotions that you're going to see at the beginning of the season. And then for the media, they have, uh, it was from 9.30 in the morning to six in the afternoon, straight, straight, straight. We just had a one hour lunch break. It was a parade of players and coaches coming in to talk to us for 10 to 15 minutes each. And uh, it was it was it's really good. It's a great way to get to know some of the players and coaches around the league a little bit better to get FaceTime with them. And you are correct in saying that even though Inter Miami did not make the playoffs, everybody was still talking about this team. This team is still the focal point. One of the main focal points of this league, other coaches and players were asked, you know, players from other teams and coaches we're getting questions, you know, of course, from me, but from other people, too, about Messi, about Inter-Miami. Are they the are they the prohibitive favorites? Are they the heavy favorites going into the season? Everybody pretty much said yes. <laughs> um, you know, players were saying, how can you not call them a favorite with the four players that they have right now, plus everybody else? But, yes, of course, on paper, they are the favorite. Um, so they are still very much the central focal point of this league. Um, everybody's talking about them. Everybody wanted to talk to about them. Tata spoke uh, to the media and Sergio Busquets also spoke. And, uh, you know, they Tata was asked about the fact that, uh, is this a super team? Like in the NBA, you know, is this a super team? And how does he feel about coaching a super team? And Tata, who happens to be a huge NBA fan, by the way, he said that it is a super team, but, you know, he said just like uh, when the Wizards are playing the Bucks, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Wizards are going to play much harder because they're playing against the team that has the stars. And he said that that's what they have to look at, that 
It, they're not just going to win the league because they have a bunch of stars. He pointed out that it brings out the best in every single opponent. Every opponent who plays against Inter Miami has that game circled on their calendar. <clears throat> the Toronto coach said as much. He said, everyone has that game, the Miami game circled on the calendar. He had that game circled on his calendar. And, you know, they were all saying that this is the game, this is a game that they look forward to just because of all the hype around it, because of the, the level of competition that they're going to face with that team. So what that means, what Tata was saying, is that this team is not like the other teams. This team is a team that is going to have a target on its back every single time it plays. And they have to elevate and play like a team and, and do better than they did last year. He said, we can't just <clears throat> rest on our laurels and be like, oh, okay, we have all these stars. We're going to win the MLS Cup. We're going to win, you know, Champions Cup. We're going to win League Cup. He said, no, that the name's enough. The names are not enough. They really need to come together as a team. And he, he made a real point, again, in his preseason press conference uh, this weekend on Saturday. He also stressed the same thing that, yes, this team now has Matthew Busquet, Alba, Luis Suarez, plus everybody else. But, and they are favorites. They're just going to waltz to the final. But he says, no, that's not the case. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing. They they know that just because one of the biggest things is, as we talked about before, and we'll talk about at length again, uh, workload management and really the way that they're going to handle the mix of veterans and can they play? They can't just waltz in, like you said. Uh, they got to manage all these minutes, especially now coming up in this preseason tour that they're going to go on. Which uh, that was another interesting topic: how they're going to handle that, how they're going to balance everything. Uh, one of the biggest names, though, right after media day, when you went out there, finally had Luis Suarez day. He finally showed up, had a chance to see him train with the team a little bit. Uh, first impressions of Suarez, what do you think? I know you got a chance to sit down with him for a little bit and actually talk to him one-on-one. What do you think? Uh, he's very friendly. He's actually much chattier than Leo Messi. Um, you know, Messi is, is very, is very, uh, reserved, very guarded and, you know, friendly enough, nice enough, but, but not, um, you know, he's not super comfortable in front of a microphone, not super comfort, not super comfortable. Uh, whereas, uh, Luis Suarez was just seemed very happy, very comfortable, uh, very easy to talk to. Um, and, uh, yeah, I got a chance. He did. He he tra trained with the team. There was a great photo that went out from the team that they put out of the four of them sitting on the bench after the practice, looking like four buddies sitting on a bench, just relaxing. Messi had his knee up. You know, they had their socks off. They were sitting there, you know, laughing, smiling, joking, whatever. I still, you know, the the vision seeing the image of those four players at an inter miami training pra, you know practice it, it's still mind-boggling to me okay and to everybody i think it's still mind-boggling to me that inter miami's roster now includes Lionel messi sergio busquets jordi alba and luis suarez um it's hard to believe but it's true and after the training session uh, he had a press conference and, uh, and then I was um, fortunate enough, as the beat writer who's been around from the beginning, they gave me an opportunity to speak with him one-on-one -on -one for five minutes, which is very rare. And uh, so I got to go into a little suite and talk to him for five minutes. 
And uh, even though it was only five minutes, I got a real sense that um, he's very, very happy to be here. Uh, he said he stressed that his friendship with Leo Messi is, is very deep to the point that their wives are very, very close friends and their children are very close friends. Their children, the two younger, he has three kids and Messi has three kids. Messi has three boys. He has two girls and a boy. Um, the two younger ones of Suarez are similar in age to Messi's kids. So they're going to be going to school together. And he was saying that it's just been so helpful to have the Messi family around as he and his wife make this transition. And he talked about uh, the stresses and you know how difficult it is to move your family in mid-season. He has little kids. He and his wife were in Brazil. They had settled in there. The kids were in school and then boom, they get pulled out. They have to come to a new country where they don't speak the language and start in a new school. Um, and, you know, of course, and also have paparazzi and reporters around and all that stuff, which is not normal. So he said that uh, having um, having Messi around uh, and his wife has been so, so helpful. And uh, but he was really great. He talked about his wife a lot, which I thought was very nice. They've been together since they were 15 years old. They're childhood sweethearts together since they were 15. And uh, he said that he wouldn't be where he is without her, that they've been through a lot of difficult times, as I'm sure they have with the biting incidents and other things in his career and the movements from one team to another, from one country to another. And he said that she's his rock. She's the one that brings him down to earth. Uh, he said that, you know, sometimes he would come home and be like, you know, strutting around the house because he had just scored two or three goals. And his wife will immediately say, the game is over. You are now a father. You are now a husband. You know, like, get over yourself. You know what I mean? And he right. said that that was really good, that that was really good for him and that and that every athlete needs that, uh, that perspective and that she was able to add that to him. And one more thing I want to say about the interview with him is uh, I asked him about the origin of his uh, goal celebration of El Pistolero. You know, he does this, the thing with the finger. Yeah, the gunslinger. Shooting, the gunslinger. And he said that it started when he was with Ajax way back when he was very young and he was starting in the Dutch league and he was with his wife. And he said, I want to have like my own goal celebration. He said he never imagined at that time that he was going to be famous. He never imagined at that time that he was going to be world known, but he still wanted to have his own little signature move. So he stood in front of the mirror and he tried a whole bunch of different ones, like in front of his bathroom mirror, tried a bunch of celebrations. And he said that this one with the guns was the one that stuck. And he said, you know, now it's like it's part of him. It's his trademark. And he never imagined when he did that way back then as a young man that, uh, you know, that he was going to be uh, doing that same thing for, for a worldwide audience. But anyway, it was a great conversation with him. He seems extremely happy. He seems extremely comfortable. And. Uh, one of the things that Tata said is that uh, watching their training session, the four of them together, he said they definitely have not forgotten how to play together. And he said at that day they had 20 minutes of actual, you know, actual playing time at that first training session. He said it was 20 minutes of beautiful football. So it's it's going to be exciting to see the four of them together on the field again. Um, everybody's anticipating it and the expectations are you know, out of this world for this season. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that's great to get, especially early on, you know, like day one, you get a story like that, you know, before it gets crazy before, uh, before everybody else. So that's a, 
good to hear. And and yeah, like you said, surreal to still think that this uh you know, it's like the four horsemen like together there, you know, like the that the the, the 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 amazing picture that that is to, to still kind of digest that this team has reached this kind of a level is amazing. But work to be done. And Tata Martino, both at MLS Media Day and again later on, said it again, talked a little bit about even strategically from a roster perspective, still some moves to be made. I mean, one of the departures, Kamal Miller is, is a subject. They still need to get somebody back there in the center because, as we know, as elite as this team was, you know, in terms of striking and offensively, defense left a lot to be desired in a lot of moments, even after they loaded up at the end of last season. So what did Tata kind of hint at as maybe potential moves, maybe before we get going here for the season? Yeah, Tata said that the number one priority is a center back, uh, you know, to replace Kamal Miller. That was that was a big loss for them. And, you know, to be honest, they had just signed him to a long term extension. I, I don't think anyone really expected that he was going to be leaving this soon. Uh, I know that he was taking Spanish lessons. He was really looking forward to this season. Uh, like I had said pre previously, he was a team leader. He was a great locker room guy. Terrific with the media. And, uh, you know, but Portland wanted him. He's that's the thing. It's, you know. The other teams want your best players. Those are the ones that those are the ones that are going to come with the big price tags from the other teams. So they were able to get a lot of money for Kamal, but now they have an opening there. They really right now their starting center backs are Thomas Avilas, who's like you know twenty years old, and and Kristoff, um, and that's it. That you know they basically have you know uh, two players who are true true center backs. Uh, Chris McVeigh is still there, but he didn't play as much last year, so. He said, Tata said that they are definitely looking for um, a center back as their number one priority. And, uh, you know, there was some talk, there have been some rumors about David Martinez, who's a player for River Plate in Argentine, yet another Argentine player that they had been in talks with him, or he's a Paraguayan, excuse me, but plays in River Plate. A Paraguayan player, 25 years old, very good center back, but um, I'm hearing that the price tag is too high. Uh, there have been a couple of players from from Argentina and Paraguay that have been rumored whose names have been linked to the team. Uh, Christian Medina is another guy, a midfielder from Boca Juniors. But uh, I'm hearing that the price tags are are probably too high to fit into all of the MLS structure with the amount of money that they're already spending on the players that they've got. I think they're going to have to go a little cheaper for this starting center back there. There's you know other center back that they're talking about. So it remains to be seen. Uh, that is definitely the priority. They are they are pretty loaded, you know, at forward, at midfield. Um, you know, there may be another midfielder coming, but uh, it seems like the number one priority is to get a really good center back in there. And uh, and Tata said that he expects. He said, unfortunately, because they brought in so many good players, they're probably going to lose a few more players. He said that, you know, he expects a few more moves before the start of the season. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who of the, of the roster that they have now, who is shopped, you know, who's being shopped around and who may not be here by the start of the season. Yeah. And the pieces are a little scattered right now. You know, I want to tell people that are expecting, this isn't going to be the full squad this Friday against uh, Salvador. You know, you've got guys still for different reasons. You know, Robbie Robinson, we know, is uh, injured right now. Drake Callender is off with the U.S. national team. They're trying to get Gene Mota in from Brazil, working on the green card situation there. But uh, one of the new arrivals did speak uh, today, I believe, uh, Michelle, 
Julian Gressel. Um, and we now know, uh, I believe, the travel roster for that El Salvador game. So what would you think of just what uh, Gressel had to say? And also. Yeah, we also we also had a chance to talk to Tyler Hall, who's a 17 year old kid from Miramar who just signed a homegrown contract with them, came up through the academy, second team. And he's on, you know, U.S. youth national team player who actually was like a captain of the under 18s or whatever U.S. national team for a tournament. He's a guy with a tremendous amount of upside. Now he is 17 years old. But it's funny when you were talking about when we were just talking about seeing the Mount Rushmore of those four guys on that bench, he said that even though he's been training with them since last season, he says that in his words, he said, I still look out there and I say, dang, I can't believe I'm on the field with those guys, you know, and I think a lot of the players sort of feel that way, like it's still kind of hard to believe that that these guys are your teammates now. Um, we spoke to Julian Gressel today, who is a more veteran player uh, who they sign. He's their biggest domestic signing of the offseason. He was a, a two time MLS champion with first of all, with Tata with Atlanta uh, in 2018. He was on that championship team with Atlanta United that Tata was the coach. And as you know, I don't know if the, the fans know, but Tata's pretty much his entire coaching staff just about that he has here is the same coaching staff he had in Atlanta. He's very loyal. He sticks with his same coaches wherever he goes. They were with him in Atlanta. They were with him in Mexico. They're with him here. And so Julian Gressel feels very much at home uh, with Tata and with that entire coaching staff. And he said that that was one of the reasons that he came here. He had other options. He was one of the most coveted of the of the free agents that was coming out of MLS this off season. He's coming off a championship at Columbus crew. So he won a championship at Columbus crew. His contract expired. He was a free agent and uh, he plays wing back. He can play wing back. He can play midfielder. He's a very versatile player and has a lot of MLS experience has won two MLS cups. He's a German American who's lived in this country for quite some time, went to college here. So he was saying that when he was asked, why, why Miami? Why did you pick here? You had other opportunities. And he said, you know, number one, uh, Tata, the chance to work with Tata again, that they always had a very good relationship and he knows the whole staff. So it would be a very familiar situation and a, and a smooth transition. And then he said just he was very intrigued by, uh, by Miami, Inter Miami's ambition as a club and he liked the idea that inter miami is pushing the envelope of mls and doing things that other mls teams have not done before one of them being this world tour and he said you know yes it is a lot of travel and everything on the other hand just imagine what this is going to do for the league and for this team but particularly for the league he was talking about growing mls that he's been in this league for a long time now and he you know, he's been a champion twice and he wants the league to grow worldwide. And he said that he's honored and excited to be, you know, getting on an airplane to go to foreign countries to promote this league and to promote this team. And he found that really, really intriguing. Um, he said that, you know, the long travel, he, he it is a lot of long travel, a lot of foreign travel, but he thinks that that's going to be beneficial to them because they're going to be playing champions uh, they're going to be playing CONCACAF Champions Cup, so they're going to have to be playing against some teams from other countries. And he said that will sort of help them 
uh, with, you know, traveling to other countries, live, you know, being in another culture. And then even with an MLS, all the travel that you do cross country that, you know, they're going to be traveling even longer distances than it is to travel to L.A. So L.A. is going to seem like a short trip after they've gone to Saudi Arabia, Tokyo and Hong Kong. So he was saying that he really thinks it's going to be very beneficial, this tour, and also that they're going to be playing against some really good competition. They're going to be playing against some top players, including Cristiano Ronaldo. And uh, so he was very, very excited. Um, as far as playing with these guys for the first time, his first week with Messi and friends, he said that he didn't really know what to expect and that he was pleasantly surprised that in his words, they seem like regular guys. He said, I know they're not regular guys, but they really do act like regular guys in the practice. And he was um, really impressed and sort of touched that he said right when he arrived that Sergio Busquets walked over to him, sought him out, walked over to him and congratulated him for winning the MLS Cup with Columbus. And he said that that really meant a lot to him, that a guy with Sergio Busquets resume thought enough to come over and welcome him by congratulating him for winning MLS Cup that he said, you know, he knew who I was and he right. knew where I was coming from and, and he respected that. And he said that that meant a lot to him that Sergio Busquets res respected that he was coming from a championship MLS team, that that meant a lot to him. Yeah, I, I think that that's one of the biggest things is uh, someone with his pedigree, with his background, his track record to acknowledge that it meant something, you know, that they didn't see it as inferior, don't see it like it's beneath them. That just shows you that MLS is being held at least more of a, in more regard than it used to be as a third, fourth rate league. Like now, and I think you, you heard a lot of that. And remember, Michelle, during MLS Media Day, especially from the players that have been in the league the longest, even though, you know, if this was another situation in another league, so much talk about one team might get to the point where maybe you ask a player and they may get annoyed and it may be like, oh, whatever, what about you didn't really get that. It, the, you you felt like it went it went beyond, you know, Real Salt Lake or Columbus versus it went as a like the entire MLS as a whole, in a way, is glad and keeping that perspective of this is good for all of us. You know, when they get this kind of exposure, when they go out there, when the brand is showcased like this, even though it it, it is Inter Miami at the forefront of it. But it's almost like an everybody wins. So that that's just another, you know, almost unique dynamic that you're not seeing that, that you're seeing here in this story unfolding and not in other leagues. I just think I just think it's really fascinating seeing how this is all it's all like one big effort within everyone else is obviously trying to win for themselves for their own teams. But then within that, there's a big picture victory to be had here, hopefully, for them that everybody's trying to get. I don't know, it's just really fascinating. Yeah, no, no, I, I will pick it back off that, that, um, you know, one of the interesting things, I spoke to several of the foreign journalists who were at MLS Media Day, um, including, uh, there was a guy named Matthias Fiedler, who's uh, from, from Der Spiegel in Germany, and I spoke to some of the Latin American reporters, too, and one of the things that, that they found really interesting was that, well, first of all, that MLS even puts on a media day, that, you know, that right. does not happen in most countries, there's not a day where you get to come in and meet players and coaches from all over the, <clears throat> excuse me, from all over the league. And one of the things that, that really struck them that we may take for granted, those of us who cover MLS, is that 
the players in this league and the coaches, but particularly the players, I feel they do feel like they are ambassadors for the league as a whole. So they are not just here. Most of them, they're not just here to play soccer and to win their league and to do what things and players all around the world do. They really do want to grow the sport in this country and they want to grow this league. And they feel like that is, is a responsibility of theirs to, to grow the league and to get people around the world, especially some of the guys we spoke to, some of the players are from other countries, you know, from Finland, from Germany, from other countries who have come here to play. They want, and Sweden, we spoke to Swedish player. We want, they want, they want people from their countries and from Europe and from Asia and from Africa and South America. They want them to respect more the league that they have chosen to play in. You know what I'm saying? So they were saying, some of them said that there still is a little bit of a feeling, a sentiment overseas that MLS is not quite there yet or whatever. And they want to say loud and clear that they feel MLS has arrived, that it already arrived a long time ago. It didn't just arrive with Messi, but the addition of Messi, Busquets, Albus, and, and Luis Suarez, it is just affirmation. Affirmation that this league has come a long way. Affirmation that this is a high-quality league with high-quality players and high-quality competition. And so, you know, all the guys that we spoke to, like you said, they were not getting annoyed the way if you were in an MLS, I mean, if, excuse me, if you were in an NFL press conference or an NBA press conference, Major League Baseball, with a whole bunch of players from different teams, and everybody asked about one team, if everybody asked about, you know, whatever, the Chiefs, or everybody asked about the Yankees or whatever, you know, the other guys would be rolling their eyes like, come on, why are we talking only about one team? Yeah. There wasn't that here. There were so many questions about Messi and about Inter Miami and what is it that they're bringing the league. And they all seemed very willing to talk about it and to admit that, yes, what they're doing is great and that it's great to have them in the league. They're not just another team. You know, they are they are bringing something new to the league. And what the main thing that they're bringing is international exposure. And everyone who plays in this league, let's be honest, you know, it behooves them for their own personal value, for their own monetary value, even when they're going to be, you know, talking about their next contracts. If this league is perceived as a higher profile league and a higher quality league, that makes them all more valuable as players. And so I think that what they feel is that the addition of these superstars of this Mount Rushmore of Inter Miami players is raising their own value as players as the league value is rising, their value as individual players is rising. And so it's very interesting to see, like you said, that the players are not annoyed. Maybe maybe amongst themselves they are, but in public, they are very much promoting the fact that Inter-Miami is helping this league grow. And this world tour is something that Gressel said he's looking forward to. I, I can tell you from personal experience, I remember one year I was covering the NBA All-Star game and I think I was asking about, or I forgot if I was asking about Tyler Hero because it was his rookie year. I kept asking different players around the league about him. And I think, and I'm telling you more than once, I remember like Jason Tatum, 
even gave me the side eye, like, you know, like they, they give you the, the I don't want to hear about the heat or any of these other teams. So, so yeah, it does happen. That's what I'm saying. This is like a unique situation where you're seeing these guys and they understand the perspective of what this means league wide, not just, not just, you know, for their own team. But going to this last segment now, let's uh, talk a little bit about that uh, preseason tour. Let's go over the, the preseason schedule. Michelle, you have some details that are, that are uh, you know, fresh out of the oven here. Uh, you know, not, not a lot of people know about it yet. Some TV info, I believe, too, on when. I know one game that even my, myself, I was asking you earlier in the week, how can people watch this game against El Salvador? It seems like you look it up, and there there wasn't there there wasn't many deep there weren't many details in recent days. But what have you learned so far? Yeah, today. Well, first of all, this uh, at training they released the uh, the travel roster uh, for the El Salvador game, which I think was important because uh, there was there were media from El Salvador that were at the MLS Media Day, and also on Saturday um, at the team opening press uh, opening training, and they were asking a lot of questions. The El Salvadoran media wanted to know, you know, is Messi coming? Is Busquets coming? Is Alba coming? Is Suarez coming? Because <clears throat> they had not sold out the stadium. The fans there, the tickets were $600, okay? The tickets were starting at $600 in El Salvador, and people were not just going to throw around that kind of money if Inter-Miami was going to send a second team there. So there was some uh, concern uh, in El Salvador about what kind of team Inter-Miami was going to send. And also Tata even said at the press conference, well, you know, we're going to have to manage the minutes, uh, especially at the first two uh, friendly games. You know, once we get to Saudi Arabia, Hong Kong and Japan, they have contractual obligations to play certain players. OK, let's admit it. Those countries are paying huge amounts of money. They're not going to be able, they're not going to go there and not play messy. You know, if those guys are healthy, they're going to play. But there was a little concern about are they going to travel to El Salvador or whatever. Uh, so this morning they did release the travel roster. Everybody, all those, everyone was on it. All of those names that I just mentioned were on it. Drake Callender is not because he's with the U.S. national team in camp. Um, the, uh, the only other name that really was missing that I noted, you know, John Mota, we we said was in Brazil. He's he's working on his green card. Robbie Robinson is injured. Uh, Negri is also still injured, not quite there. So he was not on the list. Uh, Stefanelli was not on the list. That was the one name that I saw of a guy who has been in training this week that was not on that list. So I don't know if he's uh, just didn't make the cut or if he's in negotiations to leave. You know, he's in a position uh, where there's a lot of, uh, you know, it, it's they have a lot of players in midfield right now attacking midfielders. So I'm not sure what his situation is going to be going forward. Uh, but everybody else is on the travel roster. Uh, how much they'll play, that remains to be seen. Um, just so you know, for the itinerary, they are traveling to El Salvador Thursday night. Uh, so they will be traveling to El Salvador Thursday night. They're not going to train there. They're not doing any press conference or any type of appearances. They are flying there Thursday night. <clears throat> they're playing sat. I, I mean, they're flying there Thursday night, playing Friday night, flying back to South Florida immediately after the game. And they will be home on Saturday. On Sunday, they will travel to Dallas. They're playing FC Dallas on Monday. Then they will fly back from that game. Um, and they will train on Wednesday in, in Fort Lauderdale. Thursday, the 25th, Thursday, January 25th, this team will embark 
on the Asia tour. They're going to Saudi Arabia, then Tokyo, then uh, I mean, then uh, Hong Kong and then Tokyo. They will be gone from January 25th until February 8th. So that entire time they will be in Saudi Arabia, Tokyo and Hong Kong. That is where they will be training. That is where they will be playing uh, for that entire extended period. Now, the fans here and the reporters like myself wanted to know, how are we going to get to watch these games? So far, all they've released uh, that I know so far uh, is that the two first games, El Salvador and Dallas, will be streamed on MLSsoccer.com. On the MLS website, MLSsoccer.com is going to be streaming those two games. Um, and other than that, they have not announced yet where the games, uh, the Saudi Arabia games, the Tokyo game, and the Hong Kong game, uh, the TV announcements have not been made for those. I would think that Apple would want those. I mean, Apple, come on, a Apple lot of TV. Money made. Yeah, I'll say, come on, Apple TV. <laughs> yeah, there's a, money. There's, there's a lot of money to be made in those games. And, and the whole idea of that tour is to expose the league. The whole idea of that tour is to expose the league and this team to the rest of the world. So they need to they need to put it on a, a broadcast platform that the whole world can tune into. So I'm assuming that Apple is going to be involved and they just have not made the announcement yet. But uh, all I know so far is that the first two games will be available uh, streaming on MLSsoccer.com. That's good, though. At least there's a, an option to watch it because, of you know, the with the anticipation for this team especially. But those games, especially the ones in Saudi Arabia, they've got to be on something accessible for people, especially the, the showdown that's going to have a World Cup feel to it, at least in, in terms of the, the hype and excitement when, when Ronaldo and Messi clash, you know, supposedly one final time in, in that game. I mean, that, you're, you're right. Going from Miami to for, going from Miami to Seattle seems like a puddle jump compared to the, the, the kind of traveling miles that these te- that this team is about to embark upon. But yeah, you hope that it's all watchable whether it's online or Apple TV, you name it, and still wheeling and dealing going on. You just know it right now to get the rights on some of these games, you know, even up to maybe the last few days before the game, maybe the last couple of weeks, at least before the games. So it'll be interesting to see how that all materializes as we go forward. But uh, yeah, one more thing I wanted to mention, I want to mention one more thing about the tour, which is, um, you know, in addition to what, what Julian Gressel was saying about how it will get them accustomed to, you know, to long plane rides and travel and going, you know, bouncing around from here to there, which they're going to be doing a lot of. Um, the other thing that I do think is a positive about the tour is think about when I was thinking about the amount of time that they're going to be together, especially that stretch that's starting next Thursday. They are going to be traveling, you know, across the world together on a plane training together in Saudi Arabia, playing in Saudi Arabia, then going to Hong Kong, then going to Tokyo as a group. All of their meals will be together. They're going to be staying in hotels together, eating their meals together, doing everything together, which is, you know, it's kind of like uh, baseball spring training where you're going to have the team. That's not usually the case with MLS. You know, the teams typically are in their home market. They go away for, you know, they go away for a week or two. Um, but this is a really unique tour for this whole team to be together for such a long stretch. And it's so far away from home, away from the distractions of 
you know, that, that are home, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's things going on in, you know, whatever in your hometown, uh, they're going to be far, far away <clears throat> just together in a little bubble, the inter Miami team for a really long stretch of time. So when they get back here, February 8th, it will be one week until their final preseason game, February 15th, which is the only one that's local. The only one that we can go see in person here is February 15th against uh, Newell's Old Boys, which is the Argentine club from uh, Rosario, which is the hometown of Lionel Messi and Tata Martino. It was their boyhood clubs of both of those. Uh, by the time that game comes, February 15th, which is the last preseason game, um, that team, those players are going to really have a bond. They're going to have a very, very, very strong bond, having gone through, imagine, all of those adventures together, going to all those different cultures, going to those different places. Uh, I, I think that they're going to have a very, very strong bond off the field and on the field, I assume. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see when they come back. If they still have legs left and they're not too tired, uh, I think that that they will be a very united team heading into this season. And, and again, uh, if people don't know or forgot, the season opener, the official season opener is February, uh, February 21st, a Wednesday night at home against Real Salt Lake. And that is the only uh, MLS game that night. That is the only MLS game that night. Yep, that's the kickoff game, kind of like the similar to the way the NFL does it, except in this case, it's the rock stars that get the kickoff game, not the defending champions. So go figure. But uh, yeah, like you said, that's a good point about the bonding, you know, all that plane time, all that bus time, all that field time, importantly, too, to get the, the, the to start clicking together as a team. And um, even though not all the pieces will be there at all times, but they're going to work it out. Yeah, definitely not spring training. You know, this is not. This is not the one-hour bus ride to uh, Port St. Lucie or or wherever in Florida. No, no. This is a lot more hours and a lot more time. But it, it's a good thing. Let's see if, if that develops into uh, as close as possible to a well-oiled machine to what they're going to have to be to live up to these lofty expectations. But, Michelle, you will be uh, right there in that, that stadium and the real thing, not the background that you're at right now, probably doing that. <laughs> Maybe if uh, Luis Suarez is at some point. The background I'm at, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Traspal Stadium, a little note on the drop in there. Uh, Inter-Miami player, Venha Kermaski, his alma mater, well, team he played for, Mast Academy the other day, won their first GMAC championship. And it was funny, somebody from Mast on the sideline, right? Like, yeah, we're a soccer school. Look, we got Venha on Inter-Miami. So they're... they're they're really happy over there. Not just about the aquatic sports over there, but that was good to see. And good to see soccer growing locally, though, in, in all seriousness, here in uh, in South Florida, too. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tyler Hall, I, I just mentioned him before. I mean, he grew up in Miramar, played youth soccer. You know, with his dad had a club, and he played for his dad. And then he went to play for Weston. He went to play for Weston FC. And then he was, you know, he was recruited by the Inter-Miami Academy. He went and had a tryout there. He is now 17 years old, a local kid. He's from Guyana, his family originally, but he was raised in Miramar. Local kid, 17 years old, and he is on the Inter-Miami squad. He's out there today training with Messi, Busquets, Alba, Luis Suarez, Benja, all these guys. The mix of teenagers, local teenagers, who are getting an opportunity to play you know, with these some of the top stars in the world. It really is remarkable and it should not be, un, you know, 
it cannot be overstated just how important it is for local soccer players in South Florida to have this dream be tangible. You know, it's something it's like it's you can see it. You know, if you are a kid who's playing youth soccer in South Florida for Weston or for Pinecrest or playing at Mast Academy, playing for a Coral Reef High where my daughter played, um, you know that there are local kids your same age, 17, 18 years old, who are making their way onto Lionel Messi's team. And that is that's something really important that that pipeline is there because there is so much talent in South Florida. There are so many people here from other countries whose kids were raised here, but their first sport and their first love is soccer. And they now have a dream that is tangible, that is right here in their backyard. It's not like, oh, maybe someday I'll get to Europe. They just have to get from Kendall or Weston to Fort Lauderdale. You know, right. the road is not that long. Right. Yeah, and you don't have to be some super phenom to make it like once in a generation. Like now it, it can actually happen more often for some of these kids. So, well, let's see if, oh, speaking of super phenoms, a super team, whatever you want to call them, we're going to be back with you on a weekly basis, as we said before, uh, documenting, uh, mostly Michelle, documenting uh, how this team develops, how this season develops, which should be exciting. So for Michelle Kaufman, I'm Andre Fernandez. Thank you once again. Remember, you can catch us, listen to us, at, on Spotify, iTunes, all those podcatchers, and then you can watch it here at MiamiHerald.com, excuse me, and YouTube, of course, inside Inter Miami. Thank you for watching and listening to another episode, and we'll be back next week to talk some more inter, inside Inter Miami. See you then. See you next week.